And good, good afternoon. Evening. And good night. Sleep tight. This is Two Girls, One Two Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. That's Sabrina. I'm Corinne. How's and we're back been? again. We're back for another week of spooky tales. And we're back on track with actual ghost stories this week. I actually have an email for you to read real quick. Is this the one that's been in the folder? No. When are you going to read that one? That's in a few weeks. It's so hard <laughs> to not click it. <laughs> so for all of you who follow us on social media, we just celebrated our six-month anniversary. Yes, we realized we uploaded our podversary. We uploaded our very first episode on August 14th, mm-hmm. which makes February 14th. Our six-month yeah. anniversary. So Valentine's Day got really romantic for us. Corinne sent me a video of me <laughs> being Samara at Halloween. It was, <laughs> yes, it was at my friend's house, and she's dressed really scary as Samara, as many of you guys have already seen, because we posted plenty of Instagrams yes. when that happened. And I said, I had the camera pointed on Sabrina, and I said something like, show me something or show me what you got and sabrina full-on pulled her whole dress up and exposed her butt to me (laughs) i did it's romantic and (laughs) but also made me realize that in august when it's our one year podversary we have a lot to celebrate you have your birthday birthday. august 4th our podversary oh sorry it's the third august third august third my due date, or my mom's due date, was the fourth. Oh, that's what I was thinking, because I knew that. Right, because you know that. <laughs> so we have August 3rd, your birthday, August 14th, our one-year podversary, and then August 26th, mm-hmm. my birthday. I know! Maybe we should just take a month vacation together and celebrate. I would not ever say no to that. Can it be, That'd be so fun. a paid vacation? Well, who's The podcast gods. <laughs> We don't get paid. <laughs> we'll just dedicate the whole month of August to really scanning the streets and looking underneath vending machines and trying to find money. <laughs> just press the return button on all the vending machines and hope a quarter comes back out. Yeah, that's what I do in Vegas. That's how I win money. I don't actually gamble. I just click the checkout and people are like, ugh, I only won 49 cents. That's nothing. And they walk away. And then I have 10 bucks by the end wow, of the day. Wow, look at you. That's smart. Yep. Now everyone knows. Scavenging. They'll buy you half a drink in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because it was Valentine's Day, I wanted to read an email because we got an email about a Valentine's Day ghost. Oh, okay. Is it romantic? It's a little weird. Okay, Okay, the subject line is a Valentine's Day ghost visit. And it's from Scott. And he says, hey, girls, I had a ghostly visit on Valentine's Day that I thought I would share. And no, it's not sexual. Although, just wait until I read it. Okay. I usually am asleep while my girlfriend and her daughter get ready for school and work. I can hear them getting ready, so I usually roll back over and go to sleep. I had heard my girlfriend brush her hair. Then I felt someone lean across the bed and give me a couple of small kisses on the lips. I thought she was giving me a kiss because it was Valentine's Day before she left for work. I woke up a couple of minutes after and everyone was gone, so I got ready for my day. When I got home from class that night, I told her what happened and asked if she was the one who kissed me. She said no. She left right after brushing her hair. So apparently, a ghost wanted to wish me a happy Valentine's Day. Keep up the good work, Scott. (laughs) That's kind of sweet. I know. I thought maybe it was like... A couple little smooches. Yeah. I thought maybe it was a family member... Who just was like, loving you on Valentine's Day. 
Yeah. Or it was like a lonely ghost who just wanted some loving. And she was like, this is my moment. I have one day a year <laughs> where he he won't notice. I wonder if it is a romantic ghost who now loves him and will wake him up every morning with smooches. That's not a bad I don't know. It up. could cause problems in his current relationship if he's continuously being kissed by a ghost every morning. <laughs> That's an interesting love triangle. It is. Maybe, the, I don't know. We don't know the girlfriend. Maybe she's cool with it. Maybe she, too, gets smooched by the ghost oh. and just doesn't. Now she's going to be jealous because she thought it was just for her before. Oh, interesting. At least they were lips and smooches and not a wet tongue kissing you. Ew. A phantom tongue. A phantom sloppy makeout. Now I'm just thinking of the people can look <laughs> And here I am thinking of, like, a middle school first kiss where you, like, don't really know what oh, you're doing. God. You just stick your tongue out and, like, hope you're doing it right. Do you remember your first kiss? Yeah. Have we talked about I don't think so. Time? Well, first kiss or first makeout? Because I remember both. And I remember what shirt I was wearing during my first makeout. Well, I think makeout because I don't remember my first kiss. It was probably when I was, like, five and someone on the All right. playground. My first makeout was with Robbie. I'm going to tell him to listen to this episode now after this. <laughs> and I had a full mouth of braces, but I was Ooh. missing my two canine teeth, so I just had, like, holes in my mouth. Um, How does that work? Oh, because they were growing in on the top of my mouth, and I had to get them surgically pulled down. Oh. I was really cute. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing Hey, I got to make out with someone, so whatever. <laughs> It was freshman year of high school. Love is in the eye of the beholder, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> it was freshman year of high school, and we all went to our friend's house for a party, and Robbie and I made out against a pillar in the basement. Wow. That's, like, kind of hot and heavy, against a pillar. That's intense. Everyone wanted the girl without the canine teeth. <laughs> I was so hot. So hot. It was trending. <laughs> I started a really cool trend. Uh, well, you'll have to show me a picture. Oh, of I thought later. you were going to say of my missing teeth. I could do that too. Oh, well, <laughs> can I have both? Uh, what was your first kiss? Um, it was with Mac. He was my first, like, make out, if you can call it a make out. <laughs> and we were in middle school, so I was a little bit younger. And we were middle school. What, in a nature what trail age middle school? Behind our middle school. What, what age middle school? It doesn't matter. Okay, Leave a baby. <laughs> I think I was like twelve or thirteen. Oh my gosh, crazy! Yeah, we were walking on a nature trail, and then we basically like touched like tongues, and then I ran away. Wait, that's L- basically. I thought we were going in for a smooch and his tongue came out. So then I put my tongue out and then I was like, this is odd. And then I just sprinted oh out of the nature God. trail. You did tongue to tongue and run. Yeah. If, does that count as a make out? If you just yes. the tip, you just touch you the tip. saliva, that counts. Two tongues. I tasted his mouth, so it counts. <laughs> Should we get into our topic? Why yeah. are you hesitating? Because I'm not confident about mine. Okay, well, here's the thing about mine. Well, do I go first? Should I even talk well, about I go, this? I think I go first. Who goes first? What? Okay, well, I'll just, without saying what mine is, 
there are were two prisons that were almost named the exact same thing and were very close together proximity wise. And so I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy, so intense. And I was like writing a whole novel. And then I realized that I wrote about two separate prisons and meshed them together. Oh. And so I tried to fix it. And so I'm not confident that everything is accurate. You know what? That's fine. You could do a combination. Just talk about the whole state prison system. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll do that. This general region. Here's what happened. This this topic was pretty hard to pick. You really struggled. Yes, I really struggled. I think I picked a total of – I think I researched a total of six prisons, and I could confidently start a whole new podcast that's just about prison. (laughs) So after a lot of changing my mind, I ended up picking the Holmesburg Prison in Pennsylvania. It is part of the Philadelphia prison system. It was built in 1896 and in use until 1995. Okay. 1995, not Not long long ago. ago. The facility was the site of a very controversial or very, to me, very straightforward, fucked up, decade-long dermatological, pharmaceutical, and biochemical weapons research projects, which were all tested on the inmates. This reminds me of Wonder Woman. Because in the movie and the mad scientists and they're going and they're weapons of war and mass destruction and they're testing it. It doesn't really matter. No, but it's true. It's kind of like a lot of superhero movies where they test things on unwilling subjects. Yeah, and then the hero has to go save everyone. But this is real life and there probably weren't any heroes. Nearly two decades after its closure, all that remains of the notoriously violent prison is cracked paint, crumbling hallways, and empty cells. It's completely abandoned and closed except for there's one part of the jail or prison that is renovated that they use for overflow of other prisons, but it's very rarely used. It's a private property, so people are not allowed on its campus unless they are granted permission. Um, it's sometimes used for movie sets, uh, and then it was also featured on the show Ghost Stalkers. Ghost mm-hmm. Stalkers? I've never heard of I don't that. Know what network it's on. Well, Well, I'll tell you all about the episode they did. But a little bit about the prison. It's kind of interesting to look at from an aerial view. It looks almost like a crop circle in terms of how geometrically perfect it is. At the center is this thing that they call or refer to as the terror dome because that's where all the guards and doctors Mm -hmm. would safely sit while all these trials and testing on patients would occur. Oh, my gosh. I know. And from the center... There were all these prison hallways that kind of spread out like legs. And the prison has an exceptionally high death rate, which was officially reported as results of riots and violent violent inmates. But the truth is that doctors would test lethal chemicals and diseases on the inmates, document the results, and then officially record them as being killed by another inmate. That's messed up. It gets worse. This was a state prison, too. This wasn't well, like a private. Well, private. it's a privately owned now, so I don't know if it became privately owned, but it is part okay. of the Philadelphia prison system. Oh, well, I don't know enough either. I learned all about prisons Me from too. Orange is the New Black. That's all, I, all the info <laughs> so, I have. So, okay, some of the deaths include, in 1938, 25 leaders of a hunger strike were locked up in a discipl- disciplinary section of the prison known as the Klondike or the 
bake ovens. The heat was turned up to 200 degrees in the middle of a Philadelphia August. The officials locked the doors and left for 58 hours. And when they finally came back and opened the doors, four of the inmates had roasted to death. I'm surprised not all of them. I mean, you would think that I'm sure they were all in like very critical condition. Yeah, two days. Yeah, your internal body temperature would skyrocket. Only two of the 10 officials that were involved in this incident were convicted. And even then, they were only given one to three years in prison. And then in 1952, inmate Thomas Donato was found dead in a bathtub. Officially, he was reported to have drowned, but an autopsy revealed that he had been beaten to death and left there. Oh, my God. And so then, like I said, the most notable things that happened in this prison were the experimentations on inmates, and they took place from 1951 to 1974. So it's like it's over two decades. So there was a doctor named Albert Kilgman who was studying dermatology and researching fingernail fungal infections. And he was a professor at University of Pennsylvania Medical School when someone approached him to visit the prison to help diagnose and cure foot fungus that was going around, maybe athlete's foot that was going around the prison. So he went to the prison and he was so intrigued. And this is, this is a direct quote from what he said when he saw the prison. He said, All I saw before me were acres of skin. It was like a farmer seeing fertile land for the first time. That's really disgusting. He compared human beings Uh. to fertile land. He is the worst. He's probably a psychopath. Yeah. So he went on to say that the controlled conditions of the prison appealed to him as having the inmates' diet and lifestyle standardized would minimize disruptions to his medical research. And after his first visit, he determined he would begin conducting his experiments at Holmesburg when he had no authorization to do so. So everyone just let him in and he just did whatever. He said, this is another quote from him, from good old Albert Kligman. He said, things were simpler then. Informed consent was unheard of. No one asked me what I was doing. It was a wonderful time. Ew. I hate him. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. It was a few years before authorities knew what he was doing. And when they did find out, the United States Army contracted him to test the effects of certain mind-altering drugs on prison grounds on inmates. Are you kidding me? And I think this happened all over the U.S. And it was kind of as a result to or due to the political climate driven by World War II and the Cold War. So they wanted to have chemical weapons. You know, they wanted to have this Mm -hmm. arsenal that no other countries had. But that's not an excuse to test it on inmates. No, The inmates who they chose to test the weapons on or all of these different chemicals and diseases on had to give consent. But they didn't really get a choice. They were all told that if they helped with these trials, that they would get reduced sentencing, reduced bail. They'd also receive monetary compensation, but they were never really told what was being tested on them. And they were kind of given no choice. I mean, yes, I know people are in prison for a certain reason, but there are some people who they weren't all hardened criminals. Right. Like when I think of there's a select number of people that committed heinous crimes, yeah. but a lot of people in prisons are there because of breaking and entering or grand theft auto or just rolling with the wrong crowd. So imagine your cousin or your brother or your dad or your uncle or your son going through this. I assume that it was, I'm saying male, even though females go to prison too, but just because yeah, the, the stories were all male. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Oh, how horrible to know that that's happening. And they to kept someone. it quiet. Like the public didn't know any of this stuff was going on. Like our parents were alive. Yeah. They were falling in love. I mean, around. the prison closed in 1995. There were probably people in the prison when it closed who had gone through all of this. So it's right. been determined that over 254 chemical compounds were tested in the prison facilities and that the experimentation was so common that around 80 to 90% of the prison's occupants were being tested on and experimented on at one time. That's an insane It reminds number. me of, there in the show Gotham, they have Arkham Asylum. It just reminds me of that. They do, like, weird testing on all of the criminals. Yeah. And not to just shit on the prison system, but there are things today that still happen that are oh, similar absolutely. to that. Where people are denied medical attention when they really clearly yeah. need it. There's a quote, actually, I read while researching that said, It just goes to show how prisons are truly distinct institutions where the walls don't just serve to keep inmates in. They serve to also keep public eyes out. Mm -hmm. I yeah. believe that. The drugs all produced a variety of lasting effects such as temporary paralysis, sudden long-term violent behavior, and half of the subjects reported to having experienced hallucinations for days. There was one inmate who described an experiment involving exposure to microwave radiation, sulfuric and carbonic acid, solutions with which corroded and reduced forearm epidermis to leather-like substance. Oh, gross. And acids which blistered skin in the testicular. Oh, my God. God. I know. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. And then there were some experiments where patients were asked to physically exert themselves and then immediately were put under the knife to remove their sweat glands for examination. They used live humans in the way that I think researchers nowadays study people who have donated their bodies to science after they've passed away. Oh, American Horror Story. Yeah. Asylum. Asylum. Yeah. Kligman yeah. would administer 460 times the dosage that he was authorized of dioxin, which is an active ingredient in Agent Orange. I didn't look up what that is, but I assume it's very dangerous. But basically, it causes cancer. Nearly two decades after Kligman began his trials, a man named Alan Hornblum entered the prison to teach an adult literacy, literacy course. I might need that course now, too. When <laughs> he entered the prison, he was absolutely horrified by what he, what he saw. He said, many of the inmates were covered in gauze and bandages that hid sores, burns, and biopsy sites. Kligman would tell them, they're fine. Don't worry about them. Plus, they've all been paid for their participation, as if that makes it okay. Hornblum was haunted by what he had seen, and based on his interactions with the inmates, he judged that most of the participants were uneducated, uneducated and ill-informed about what was being tested on them. These people were just taking advantage of the fact that they were in, of the situation that they were in and just dangling their freedom in front of their face. And they're like, hey, if we if you let us do X, Y and Z terrible things to you, we'll let you get out of prison earlier. Yeah, it's almost like what the CIA did with the testing of LSD. It was like, hey, we'll right. give you a four day weekend or a three day weekend if you come and do these tests that you don't know and we don't know what they mm -hmm. do. But then again, how do you ever – this is just a question for my own personal knowledge, I guess, learning. But, like, how do you ever test anything ever then? No one – the whole point of testing is you don't know exactly what the effects will be. So you have to test before you just can, like, mass produce or start doing these things to the whole population. I mean, I think that's a hard balance, but I think definitely informing the person on what you're injecting them with and, like – 
making sure the person's actually aware of what's going to happen or or what they're getting themselves into and taking people who are willing to do it rather than people you can take advantage and make do it. Like, did these people really have a choice or are they saying now now to cover up what they've done that they were given a choice? So Alan Hornblum wrote a book called Acres of Skin, Human Experiments at Holmesburg Prison, which was released in 1998, and it documents all the non-therapeutic medical experiments on prison inmates held at Holmesburg. And he interviewed all of these people who have survived, I mean, if people are interested in it and want to read more. In 1966, the FDA found that Albert Kligman was not keeping proper records and had used countless prisoners to test new drugs for pharmaceutical firms. Well, no shit. The military freaking mm-hmm. employed him to do this. And then in 1968, the Philadelphia police commissioner and the district attorney of Philadelphia released an extensive report after a two-year investigation of the prison that documented hundreds of cases of rapes and murders of inmates by doctors and professionals who were testing these things on Oh, my God. That's disgusting. I know. So then in 1973, the trials finally ended because people started to realize that maybe human experimentation was no longer acceptable to the American public. But good old Kligman became a wealthy man and famous name in dermatology after being credited as the inventor of Retin-A, an acne cream and wrinkle remover. So... No way. Everybody uses Retin-A. I know. So just think about what blood is on your face. No way. Just think about that next time you use your acne cream. Okay, so now to get to the ghosts. So in 1995, the prison officially closed... It's doors to all prisoners, and it has been left abandoned since. And people who do enter the haunting halls report seeing figures resembling former prisoners, sounds of panic, doors slamming repeatedly, and sounds of riots. Electronic devices malfunction, lights turn off, and glowing red lights appear in its place. So people have said that when like they enter the building, all of the lights will automatically shut off, and towards them will float this red glowing light. Neighbors report hearing screams and the sounds of gunfire and rioting throughout the night, although the place is abandoned. Ghosts are seen sitting on the walls and guards with shotguns are seen in the towers. Ghost stalkers did an episode in the prison where the hosts each spent some time alone in the prison. They believe that because of the high number of deaths and the, the very macabre torture that took place, it created a portal to hell that exists within the prison. So in the footage, one of the hosts of the show, Chad, yells, if there's a portal to hell here, slam a door. You can cross over. And all of a sudden, there's this loud slamming of a cell door shutting. And Chad just starts screaming like crazy because he's alone in the building. He's alone. And, like, I mean, the thing that he shouted is, like, if there's a portal to hell, slam a door. And I don't know. I mean, who knows if it's made up for the show. But either way, being alone in a haunted prison is terrifying. I would scream, right. too. Just being anywhere that something so horrific happened, like, you can feel the energy exactly. and how. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Other people who have entered claim to feel their energies being sucked out of them. One guy, when he was in there, his heart rate increased wildly. He had to leave. And batteries from electronics will die at a rapid speed. So pretty much there's, like, every story you can imagine in terms of the paranormal that has happened there. But because mm-hmm. it recently closed and it is private property, there aren't a ton of people who have been admitted or allowed into the facilities, which is nice. Why not just leave these four people to rest? 
The most haunted mm-hmm. section of the prison is the dis- disciplinary section or the bake room where those four inmates were baked to death. It's also the area where prisoners were taken to be raped, beaten, and murdered. So there have been reports of poltergeist activity in that specific area. One of the crew members of the Go- of Ghost Stalkers said the night before they filmed the show, he had the most vivid and terrifying nightmare in which he murdered the entire crew with a hammer inside the prison. Wow. He woke up the next morning and tried to brush it off as a weird nervous dream. So when he got to set, he made a joke to the rest of the crew to not be alone with him during the shoot. While him and Chad were doing a walkthrough of the facility, and while they were in the basement, he opened a, clo- a closed cabinet door and he found the only thing inside the cabinet was an old no. hammer. No! Isn't that oh my God. wild? It's weird that that it was before they even went there that some spirit was able to manipulate Well, I'm sure thoughts. they had scouted the area had already before been on the property. Okay. they filmed it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, something definitely kind of oh was gosh. sending him... Yeah, something wanted him to do something on those prison grounds. A lot of movies have been filmed in the prison grounds, and almost everyone who has been on the crew or cast of those films have said that they felt deeply terrified and and they could not be alone in the facility. So basically, that's Holmesburg Prison, Pennsylvania. And in researching it, I realized two things. One... That some of the things that happen in real life are more haunting and terrifying than any haunting that happens from ghosts. If Mm -hmm. this is proof of anything, it's that humans are more monsters than ghosts. Right. The biggest monster in the prison was one that could freely walk in and out and manipulate and do anything to anyone. And became rich and famous. Yep. Retin-A. Yep. Lotion and cleanser and cream. Don't sue us, Retin-A. Well, fuck them for killing people. Fuck the dermatologist who did all of that stuff to then get to the point where he could develop red The second thing I realized is that I feel like so many people are constantly worried that listening to this podcast, they're going to get haunted, us included. But what I realized is that if we do a really good job of telling the stories of these poor souls that have not mm-hmm. been able to pass on and people talk about ghosts as they're always, as scary things but the, we talk about them as the humans that they used to be which i think is really right. important and i don't think that's going to get us haunted no we're being respectful yeah. and i also think that we're never exposing anyone or trying to make everyone open up right. to a level where they could let something in i think we're very cautious except about for when that. we talk about demons because those aren't humans they're not humans, but we also talk about, like, precautions to take and right. things that we do. And on our Facebook page, people are always posting about their crystals or certain things that they do or their feelings towards certain topics. Right. So I think the community helps each other a lot, too, with certain people who feel more it's open. It's just sad that, so like, so many of these poor souls are stuck in the prison because of the torture that they went through in their lives. They aren't able mm-hmm. to move on. And then it just brings up the conversation of residual energy. Like, I'm just so confused about actual spirits haunting and residual energy. How do we know? How can we tell the difference? I don't know. I'm not a professional in that. (laughs) Sorry. Neither am I. I just asked the question. (laughs) (laughs) We just ask questions that we can't answer and hope that someone else can. Okay. So I chose to research the Ohio State Reformatory and 
also unknown to me, I was <laughs> additionally researching the Ohio State Penitentiary. And the confusion is not completely on me. No. Because on the website for the Ohio State Reformatory, they include information and stories about the Ohio State what? Penitentiary. You're not the only one who gets them confused. Their own website no, gets them confused. Ohio just has a lot to tell, and they want to tell all the stories at once, and so they just put them all together. You know what? Well, that's great for our listeners because now they get more information. Yeah. Well, I tried to take out what I thought was belonging to the Ohio State Penitentiary, but I'll add that info at the end, just some of the points, and then maybe they also belong to the reformatory. (laughs) I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. Okay. So the Ohio State Reformatory... Um, Before it was the reformatory, the land was used as training ground for Civil War soldiers. Mm -hmm. And then in the mid-1800s, the local community and politicians encouraged the reformatory to be opened to help with local employment rates and just the economy. And they all teamed together and raised money to actually purchase the land for the reformatory. And it was originally called the Mansfield Penitentiary. Construction started. It opened in 1896 but it was still under construction until 1910. And the purpose of this reformatory was to house criminals who were a bit too old to be in the juvenile facilities, but not hardened or mature enough to actually be put in a jail or penitentiary with other older criminals. So they were kids, basically. 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. The purpose of the reformatory was also to help rehabilitate these people. Most of them, if not all of them, were first-time offenders. So the point was to teach them trades and prepare them to be reintegrated into the population, into society. It sounds once they so great finish. in theory. It does! You're like, oh my gosh, what a good service. Everyone must have been so pleasant there. Well, that's why like all of like, the Eastern State Penitentiary and all of those prisons were called penitentiaries because they were supposed to focus on prisoners focusing on penance asking for forgiveness of their crimes and reforming and then it just goes downhill from there yep the people that need to ask for forgiveness were the guards and yes. everyone mistreating those inside yeah. okay um so yeah so it was it was meant to help the kids learn how to hold proper jobs and be reintegrated into society but unfortunately it did not meet those expectations no, no. And the conditions deteriorated and the treatment of the inmates became quite disgusting and inhumane. Not quite like your story, but still wrong. (laughs) By, like, the 1930s, 1940s, the prison became very overcrowded and it became riddled with disease. Um, There were rats and fleas and lice everywhere. It was very disgusting. And the inmates actually filed a lawsuit saying that the prison was unfit for housing people, which eventually led to the closure of the facility in 1990. Wait, that's great that they were actually listened to. Yes. But it probably took years. I'm sure there were more than one lawsuit, so it probably was a whole host of them. Right. But like you said, we we know everything about prisons from Orange is the New Black (laughs) and the struggle (laughs) that is real. Yeah. Yeah. I would much rather go to the prison at Orange is the New Black than any, yeah. either of these. 
So the reformatory began accepting more aggressive convicts as well. It was very overcrowded. They had too many prisoners, and so they didn't have a place to put these people. So even though these were first-time offenders, young men, they started, the prison started, or reformatory started accepting more aggressive convicts who had committed much more serious crimes. And so violence increased amongst inmates and the treatments of the inmates worsened as well because obviously the guards and everyone are trying to get a handle right. on these very aggressive and they people. were probably outnumbered and like out like didn't have enough manpower they absolutely were outnumbered because it was so overcrowded that certain inmates even death row inmates were forced to share cells imagine Imagine, like, Silence of the Lambs, like Anthony Hopkins, and you're, you are like, oh, I just jacked a car, I stole a car, and they're like, sorry, buddy, you gotta go stay in his cell with him because we don't have room for you. So they started pairing people together and just shoving everyone in these cells, and it was really, Is that their idea of reform, putting really terrible people with lesser criminals just to, like, learn from this guy, be better? I don't know, dude. Add another wing. Do another bake sale. Get more money. Don't shove them in or the same cell. Or put all the terrible people together. I mean, I don't know how they divvied it up. That's just what I assumed because there was a report that during morning checks, guards would often notice or sometimes notice that an inmate would be missing from the cell only to later find that the inmate's body <gasps> was beaten to no. death and shoved un- under a bunk <gasps> from the other cellmate. Oh, my gosh. So that's why I assumed that they paired up these people that didn't quite have the same mindset. Prisoners were tortured and they were abused daily. There were sweat boxes, stretching rings, and other horrible torture devices. 215 or so, the reports have somewhat varied, but a little over 200 inmates actually died here. And there is a graveyard with markers for those inmates outside. So a lot of them died from fights, being abused and tortured and getting beatings. And then also it was just a disgusting prison. It wasn't heated. There were rodents and other things all over the place. And so influenza and tuberculosis was prevalent as well. Many people or inmates were driven mad from the treatments and the conditions because it was just torturous and inhumane. And some people even committed that happens often i think in prisons it does it does it happens even in places where they're not getting tortured it's a whole other discussion about mental illness and that's not this podcast we're trying to talk about ghosts okay the reformatory is actually so when i was looking up pictures it's extremely beautiful on the outside which the inside is not it's abandoned now it's it's and even when it was functioning, it was just absolutely horrendous. But it's extremely beautiful on the outside. It was designed by Levi T. Scott based on German castles. Whoa. And Scott's idea was that the beauty of the building would be spiritually uplifting and help the inmates to oh, He sounds like a great guy. He had high hopes. Yeah. He had dreams. If only everyone involved was as great and forward-thinking as he was. Yeah. And now he's the business partner for Retin-A. No, <laughs> he went no, real down. I don't know what he's doing. He probably lives in a castle in Germany. Castle. Yeah. The reformatory has actually been featured in numerous movies, such as Air Force One, Tango and Crash, and most notably, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And in that movie, there is what they call, I believe they call it like the hole. 
And that is actually based on the hole at the Ohio State Reformatory, which is this dark subterranean, so like built into the ground, concrete hole that was for solitary confinement (gasps) made of only cement, like just terrifying to be in. So yeah, that was featured in the movie. That sounds terrifying. And then in 1995, it was sold to the city of Columbus because it shut down. Remember, I said it shut down in 1990. Five years later, it sold to the city of Columbus. Um and the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society, which is the website I was on that was talking about all the different prisons, mm-hmm. which confused me. Um, but then the Mansfield, because it's in Mansfield, Ohio. I didn't mention that before, but it is. And then the Ohio State Penitentiary is in Columbus, Ohio. But those two towns slash cities are very close to each other. Right. Anyway, so the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed with the purpose of bringing the prison back to its original state. So they have been just trying to, like, raise money and funds to restore this prison and, and try to renovate it and get it back to what it mm-hmm. was, what it was supposed to be. <laughs> and I'm a big fan for them either preserving it or just not doing anything to it right. and not destroying it because there are many spirits that still reside I think that's there. the hardest thing with historic buildings is, like, you want to preserve it, but then you also want to utilize the space. Right, because people are parasites by definition. Like, we have taken over the world. There are way too many of us. We're destroying landscapes and all this other stuff. So why keep building new things when we could just use old buildings that we already have and try to do a little less damage on Earth? But hey, I'm not president, (laughs) so (laughs) that's going to be my speech. Humans are parasites. (laughs) Vote Corinne for president. Vote for me. (laughs) Oh, God, I would never win. I'm an exterminator. <laughs> Vote for me. <laughs> I shall exterminate the parasites. Bring natural selection back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'd, uh, I would, like, not even get past, like, town hall. <laughs> no one no. would let me out. I think they would, like, questionably detain you. Anyway, you can go visit the Ohio State Reform... <laughs> Fuck, is that the name? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm getting mixed up. So you can go visit their Ohio State Reformatory during certain times of the year because they do ghost tours and whatnot. They do overnight ghost tours and guided tours, and you can even climb down into the <gasps> hole if you so dare. Um, I and then dare this is, not. This is the most exciting part. And I was like, damn it, I never want to go to haunted places, but I really want to go here when this happens. For the entire month of October, they hand it over to this company called Haunted X, and then Haunted X turns it into this huge haunted house with actors and props and animatronics. They do that at a lot of prisons. Those Those are one of the things that I would be terrified to work at. Yeah, yeah, because you're like, what if you're like, okay, go stand over in that room and then scare people when they wander yeah. over. It's like, well, what about me? They do that at Eastern State Penitentiary, and I think like the it's one of those places that like the top floor you have to go by yourself. Oh yes, wait, there's there's a few of those. I think Chicago has yeah. one. There's some like haunted house where it's like twelve floors or something, and you have to sign a waiver and you have to go by yourself, and no one ever makes it to the top floor oh and gosh. blah 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 blah. Anyway, I want to go here. Or find another one that does okay. this. I'll go with you. Because that sounds fun. Let's do it. Okay. But we'll have to get a group and we yes. all hold hands. All right. So if you're planning on visiting the Ohio State Reformatory, I'm sure you're interested in hearing about some of the paranormal activity. I'm sure that's why you're here. takes place there. <laughs> Our <laughs> listeners are interested in the paranormal? That's strange. 
Interesting. Well, if you're not, stop listening here. <laughs> 50 minutes into the podcast. Stop listening now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, there's like kind of, you know, the normal paranormal stuff where you hear people screaming. <laughs> you know, the norm. Prisoners' screams, feeling cold spots, hearing the sounds of cell doors closing, other doors slamming, equipment being moved, dark figures lurking, and other shadows. And actually, the road leading up to the building is rumored to be haunted as well oh. by the ghost of Phoebe Wise. And I don't know anything about her because I just didn't look it up. Um, <laughs> that's the reason. There could be a whole book on her. But she was described as being eccentric and a hermit. So I'm assuming she had absolutely nothing to do with the prison, but just kind of lurked around oh. the area and now haunts the road leading up to the prison. Interesting. I wonder if she knew maybe, someone in the prison. I was just going to say, maybe it was her brother or her husband or someone was in that prison and she went kind of crazy without them. Yeah. Another resident ghost is Helen Galatke. And she was the wife of the warden of the prison. And she died in 1950 in the administration wing, which is where they had, like, an apartment for them right. to stay. Um, and she was reaching for a box in the closet when a loaded gun <gasps> fell down out of the closet and accidentally went off. And it hit her and she died. Oh, my gosh. So, horrific accident, but it was That's an accident. a real freak accident. Don't keep a loaded gun. I don't know. Or, like, the safety. I don't know. I don't have a gun, so I don't know how they work, but I did see in one report that she was reaching for her jewelry box well, don't in the closet. wear jewelry. Just hang out. Just be yourself. Don't touch anything. Just don't move around. Be Just immobile. stand there. Yep. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen's rose perfume is often smelled in that area, specifically in the bathroom. Which reminded me of my paternal great grandmother. Yeah. Because my grandma, Jima Judy, Jima Judy, <laughs> she told me recently that she has this satchel that she bought like 20 some years ago. It's just this like little like satchel, like a potpourri pack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she bought it 20 some years ago because it reminded her of her mother-in-law. So Aww. my paternal great grandmother, yeah. um, because it smelled like her. And she was like, oh, this smells like grandma DeFrius. Like, oh, that's so I need sweet. this. And so she bought it and it still has a very strong, potent smell. And it's been 20-some years, and it's just kept open. It's not sealed oh, in anything. It's not in plastic. It's just sitting there. So wow. she's like, that's that's paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> she said that she thinks the smell has been kept alive because of the love, because of the ongoing oh, love we all have that's so sweet. for great-grandma Defreus, and that that's what keeps the smell going. I love that. I know. So sweet. Maybe I'll take a picture of the satchel next time I'm at our house. Please do. Um, but anyway, so people would smell the rose perfume of Helen when they were in the administration wing, specifically by the apartment mm -hmm. in the bathroom. And then people have also felt a rush of cold air in the administration wing, like as if something was going by them or through them. Ooh. And then camera shutters often jam in this area. And then as soon as people leave the wing, wow. it works again. In the basement, there is also a 14-year-old boy who unfortunately was beaten to death in the basement. And his spirit is often seen lingering down there alongside a guard who people report 
to seem very sinister. So the boy is just the boy hanging out there, but people get really bad feelings about the guard. So it makes me wonder if the guard was the one that beat him. Well, it also makes me sad because I don't want him to be alone, and then he's not, but he's with the worst person he could be. But that's one of the things that comes up in a lot of the emails people send us or a lot of the stories that we read is sometimes hauntings are more than one spirit, and there's actually a good spirit that's that's there, but they're trapped there or afraid of something else in the the building. Even when I was talking about the, the creeper in whatever episode that was, the shadow... At Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Waverly Hills Mm -hmm. Sanatorium. Yeah. And the other spirits are like, run, the creeper's coming. Like, They try to warn. There's, mm -hmm. But there are quite a few other areas that are haunted. Um, The chapel area was supposedly used for executions and visitors. In the chapel? It was in the chapel Mm -hmm. that a lot of executions took place and so visitors have captured many orbs and hear strange sounds in the chapel and they also have said that there's a silhouette of a person who will appear in the doorway but as soon as you turn to like acknowledge them it disappears oh in the infirmary that is where many of the prisoners were left without proper care many of them actually starved to death because they weren't either weren't given enough food or other inmates would come in and take the food away from them and steal it for themselves because overpopulation, the food was shit, they weren't getting fed enough. And so these other prisoners driven to desperation would come in and take the food away from the weaker inmates who would then starve to death. But in the infirmary, there are gusts of air and orbs are very popular in this spot as well. In the library, there's a spirit of a young woman who's seen there. So people think that it could be Helen, who was the one with the rose perfume, or possibly a nurse that was killed by one of the prisoners. Oh, this one's really interesting. In the actual cells, when the prison was still up and running, the prisoners themselves said that they would feel the existence of like a comforting woman's presence pull their blankets up around them. (gasps) So the prisoners got tucked in at night. That was their only form of comfort and only nicety in this whole. Do they have any idea who it was? No, maybe. I don't know. I didn't read. Getting to this point was around the time when I realized that I wrote another three pages on a different prison and had to go back and figure it out. Um, And then in the hole, which was the torture chamber, people feel very nauseous and the feeling of being watched which is similar to, um, oh, God, I forget where it was. That place that I did. We've <laughs> done so many episodes. This is what happened six months in. Just forget yeah. about everything. But it was recent. It was only a couple of weeks ago. It was the one where you could go and stay. Oh, ca- uh, south, the Good Hope Castle, Castle of Good Hope. Yeah, thank you. It just reminds me of the Dungat or whatever it was called that was where they tortured the inmates and people who went in there felt very uneasy and like they were being watched and felt sick. So that was my connection to that, which I had a really hard time expressing and articulating. And then also there's the graveyard, which I mentioned before, which is where they have all the graves that are marked from the 200 some uh, prisoners who passed away in the time of this prison. And it's not uncommon to see objects moving around and then also have equipment fail to work in this area. So that is the story of the Ohio State Reformatory. And then I'll tell you a couple other things that I had originally included in this report 
that I think belongs to the Ohio State Penitentiary. But I'll still tell you. They had a bunch of riots. And in one incident, some of the prisoners took like seven guards captive. Oh my god! And they had this big standoff for like over, over a day. And it eventually ended in some of the inmates' deaths. And then there also was a fire in the 1930s where a few prisoners were thought to have set the fire in an attempt to escape the prison because that one was also extremely overcrowded, horrible, horrible conditions. And it is the largest fire in America's prison history. What? It was something like... 300 people or so prisoners died in that fire and it's thought that a lot of the guards actually did not unlock the cells in time on purpose but that's also hard was it on purpose or are they just like running for their own lives because if if the prison's catching fire i don't it was one specific wing in the prison so i'm not really sure and it was in the 1930s so it's not right. what, what can we do now because nowadays they don't um, have like or back then they didn't have the button that just like automatically open all of the gates you know they probably had to go to each individual one and unlock it with that's key, true so. to actually unlock and physically pull them yeah. so we don't know but it, right. 300 some people died it's that so day devastating. and people who stand in the prison or in that prison yard over by that wing have reported hearing the noises of like a roaring fire and screams of prisoners. oh my gosh It's super, super haunted, and Ohio State Penitentiary is located in Columbus, Ohio, and they've actually uh, torn down a lot of the buildings and turned them into other things, one of which is now an arena. I believe the Blue Jackets, which is a hockey team, play there, and the stadium is haunted now because I'm sure. Yeah, a lot of the buildings, new businesses and whatever are haunted, but it's left over from what happened in the penitentiary. I also wonder, I think Miami of Ohio is in Columbus, Ohio. I wonder if the university has any ghosts from Ooh. that area. Oh, oh, they definitely I think, do. if anything, what we learned this week is that most of these prisons, a lot of, like, the activity is just because of the tragedies that have happened within the walls, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. Horrific, horrific conditions. Vote for me for president. I will change the prison system and do some other stuff to help with our population, which no one needs to know about. It's all going to work out. Are you putting out. lotion on your hands or is that your way of talking? No, I'm putting lotion on my hands. <laughs> Sorry. Corinne was making yeah, dry. this like kind of <laughs> like a witchy hand motion, but I could only <laughs> see the tops of her fingers. Are you doing a spell? No, oh, I just realized that it probably sounds gross. The microphone probably picked up the noise of it, like, <laughs> like rubbing. Ew, lotion on skin. Let's just skin go skin. with the idea that you were doing a spell. Nee, 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 nee. I put a spell on you, on you, and now you're Talk mine. about love, true love. We have personal, well, not personal. We have listener ghost stories from... Prison. That we personally read. That we personally <laughs> read and will personally read out loud again to you. Na, 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 na. I'm so excited. Okay, the person life. who emailed this story made an email specifically to email this to us. Yeah. Really? Do they not want us to have their no, real email? I legitimately made a Gmail so I can message you. Oh, well, thanks. The subject line is the one kid who DM'd you about Melbourne Jail, which a lot of European jails, they spelt, they're spelt... G-A-O-L. Like 
Gael. 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 But it's pronounced jail. Okay. So he said, so basically the old Melbourne jail is one of the most haunted locations in Australia. And I'm pretty sure from what I remember, they hung the first ever woman there. Or maybe the first one in Australia. I'm not exactly sure. So I tried to look up. This was actually one of the jails that I wanted to do initially. But the reason I stopped doing it is because the Melbourne jail has a bunch of ghost tours. And it seems like they have scanned the internet and removed every document every video that tries to tell ghost stories from the jail. That's Because they probably weird. are trying to save it for the ghost tours. But yeah, so it was very hard to find information about the ghosts that exist in that jail. But our friend who emailed us went to visit and he said, so I have a couple of experiences of being here. The first one was when I first entered the building and started the tour. Our tour guide was explaining how the jail worked back in the 1800s. There was nothing about ghosts yet. And there are three floors to the building. I was looking around, and in the corner of the second floor, I see an apparition of a lady in white, in a white dress and long black hair. I asked my mother about it, and she saw it too. I thought maybe it was just something to scare people, so I dismissed it. Later on the tour, we were sitting, and our tour guide talked about the exact same experience happening with someone else, and that the person sighted in the corner is right outside the cell that Ned Kelly was held in. And Ned Kelly is one of, he was one of Melbourne's most notorious criminals. Who was hung there, I believe. The second experience I have is the one attached to this email. And I was taking a lot of photos in the jail, and I heard that on the second floor, a lady in white is usually seen walking up and down the walkway. I took some photos, and there was one that caught something. I had taken other photos, and I'd caught a couple little balls of light, but I know you can easily say that it's just some dust. But this one photo I caught scared the shit shit out of me and actually made me start believing in the supernatural. My third and last experience was outside the jail number 13, which is the one that Ned Kelly was held in. So we were standing outside, and our tour guide had told us that the ghosts around the cell really disliked boys and men. I was standing outside, and I got a feeling of dread going through me, and my body started to tremble. Cell 13 is right in front of the stairs, and I felt something push me down the stairs. I somehow held myself, and I didn't crack my head open on the hard stone. So yeah, those are my experiences in the Melbourne jail. I'd love for you to do an episode, but if you don't, I'm happy anyway. And look at us. We're doing it now. So I ended up wow. I know. I ended up looking up a little bit more. This prison held children. There was a 3-year-old boy who was held in this prison for 6 months because he was disorderly. What? A 3-year-old boy. I'm sorry. That's what children are supposed oh to be. And then there was also there were two girls, sisters, who were 13 and 14 and they were in prison there because they simply had nowhere else to go. Their dad abandoned them after their mom had died of typhoid and just went in search of gold. So they were in prison there. And there were, I think, 135 people executed by hangings in the prison. Wow. I wonder what pushed I mean, it sounds, from what he said, it sounds like it was Ned Kelly. It very well could be, but, I mean, if that many people had passed away there. Multiple people pushing him at once. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, I have one from Dublin, Wait, Ireland. Wait, is this the one that you've been talking about for days? There are two that I keep talking about, and this is one of the two. Okay. I'm excited. The other one I'm going to read in our upcoming Encounters episode. Because I can't wait, and I need other people to have nightmares just like me. Okay. This is from Jess. It's called Dublin Jail Ghost Photo. Okay. She said, love your podcast so much. Or she said, hi, queens. That's We're queens? Like 
Hi, queens. Love your podcast so much. I've been binge listening at work since I found it. My job's boring as shit. <laughs> I sit far away on a sad desk of sadness in a cold office of despair. Oh my your gosh. podcast brings me joy, and so thank you for putting it out there. There's a lot of sadness and despair in her office. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, she said, I just listened to your caught on camera episode and I thought I would share a photo that I took at the Kilmainham Jail in Dublin, Ireland. Not really sure how to pronounce Kilmainham. Me neither. <laughs> but G A O L. It's just an old spelling of jail, so it's pronounced the same way as jail. This place is great, super haunted, the scene of some grisly deaths and torturous conditions over many years. There's a museum full of prisoners' possessions, including a prisoner uniform, still blood-soaked from when he was shot at oh, the jail. That's... Yeah. And she sent me a couple photos, one photo, but two different versions of that one photo. And she said, so the photo was taken in one of the cells. It, I was just taking a bunch of photos all the way around with the flash on and my boyfriend thought it was odd as I was snapping away the whole time but my education and background is all photography and so he didn't really question it too much side note he's scared as shit of ghosts so I hadn't actually mentioned that this place is haunted which is the whole reason I Surprise. wanted to go <laughs> I knew there was zero chance of getting him to come along had he known smart lady it's not a lie it's just not telling all the information. So I'd taken a bunch of photos all the way around and about five in the cell through a little window. Four of them showed nothing, but in the image attached, I believe I captured a face. I see a nose, a mouth, shoulders, and a body, and I've upped the brightness to make sure to make it out a bit better. He also kind of looks hooded, maybe. I've attached the original photo before upping the exposure just as a reference. I was so excited to capture it anyway and excited to share it with you girls to see what you think. Also, there's a courtyard where people were executed by a firing squad, and there are bullet holes in the wall where they were killed. Wow. When we went there, there was an almighty smell of gunpowder, like a whole load of fireworks had just gone off, or muskets. Can't wait to catch more episodes, stay spooky, and see you on the other side. Jess. P.S. My house is also very haunted, not scary stuff really, but I'm in the middle of emailing you all my spooky encounters we've had there. Um, okay, and then, so she sent me first, or sent us, this picture, and it really does look like the okay. face of someone I'm in look. darkness. Wait, you have to look at a certain email because she sent us two. Look at the original one, not the not the reply. Okay, I'm looking at the original one. Oh, my gosh. So it totally looks like a face. Yeah. And then she upped the the contrast or the brightness a lot so that you can <gasps> see. And it's kind of like the outline of a person. And it's very clear it's that you can totally see. It's like, hooded. The nose, the lips, the chin. And you can kind of see the shoulders. Yeah. Okay. But she also responded again. Oh, no. And this is what has been making me cry and not sleep. She said, she said She said that she thoroughly recommends going if we're ever in Dublin or to find creepy places in the UK. She said, we've got plenty of those. Um, and she said her village is situated next to a place called Borley, which is home to one of the most haunted houses in Britain. But it sadly burned down under mysterious circumstances, no less. She said, okay, here's the part. She said, anyway, I can't believe I forgot about this other photo I have attached. 
she said, <laughs> oh my God, I think a little pee came out when I saw it. It was taken by Harry's mom. And Harry showed it to me a while back as he knew I was into all things ghostly. His mom said that she was sitting at her dining table when she looked up and saw the reflection of someone standing behind her or staring at her from the garden. Throws up. Oh, she writes, my gosh. In the patio windows. It was there long enough for her to take a photo, which is attached. And it's super creepy. I see maybe a little girl or maybe a lady holding something in her arms. But the really holy shit thing about this image is that the demonic is the demonic looking apparition. Oh no. Stood behind the girl slash lady. Wait, I didn't realize that there were two things. Oh my god, I clearly didn't read. I just saw the photo and freaked out. Oh no, I know, I know. She said, I don't know the ins and outs of Harry's house, but when I asked him about it, he said he's seen unexplained shadows around his house. And I've not seen him recently to ask any more about the photo, but seriously, that demon-looking person with the long hair and what looks like an angry skull face, nope. But yeah, just also wanted to share this one with you both. Would be interested to hear your take on it, okay. Jess. I'm scrolling down. I'm going to ask her if we can post this one on <gasps> oh Instagram. Oh my god. Doesn't it make you want to vomit? I want to I wanna do a lot of things, like run away and cry, but... Oh, I'm re-looking at it. Oh, my God. I'm zooming in. Okay, I only see the demonic-looking thing. I only see it, too. And at first, I was like, oh, is it wearing a belted dress? But then I – so one of my coworkers said, wow, Corinne, you look really tired. And I was like, thank you. It's because I received this photo, and I cannot sleep at night. And when I wake up to go to the bathroom at 3 a.m., the whole time I'm like, this shit is going to be standing in my kitchen, staring at me or in any reflective surface. So I've been freaking out. So I thought it was a belted dress, but then I realized it's just its arms. It's like clasped its hands and it's hunched over and it's just freaking staring. Ah, it's so scary. It has it's like actually the so most scary. demonic look on its face. I'm scared. I need my back to the wall when I look at this. Yeah, I don't see a little girl. I just see... A lot of the stories we've heard, some demonic things appear as little girls because oh, you think God. it's friendly. Wait, that yeah. is terrifying. We we should ask her if we can post this. Yeah, I'm going to. I really want to post it. But don't worry, anyone who's following our Instagram, because I will put... the. I'll have it be like a scroll photo and I'll say, like, disclaimer, right, that's possible good. demonic presence captured on the next photo. So if you don't want to see it, you do not have to. Okay, so I was watching Forensic Files. There was one uh-huh. episode where they basically sent a photo to NASA, the photography division of NASA, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of photos. I mean, we know this based on Instagram filters and, like, enhancing brightness and contrast and stuff. But, right. like... There are a lot of levels of photos that we, when we take it, you can't see things, but there are ways to enhance the photo and I think the contrast of it and actually really see. I'm too scared to do anything with this photo besides post it on our Instagram. I know. (laughs) But like, like I don't want to edit it. It's terrifying. I don't want to look in its eyes. I know. I keep looking. I I have to close it out. I, it's crazy that. The woman, Harry's mom, was just sitting there, and it was staring at her for a while, long enough that she could get her camera and take a photo of it. Right. When you see the flash of her camera and everything, oh, my gosh, I have chills. (sighs) Right. Now, every time I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm going to think of that while I'm washing my hands in a double-mirrored area. Yep. 
good, 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 good. It's been a straight week of me not sleeping. And I finally felt like I was in a good place and that I wasn't going to get haunted. I know you gave that whole speech about (laughs) no one's going to get haunted from listening to us. And now I'm going to drop a little demon photo on you guys. That's yeah. So that's chill inducing. Well, on that wonderful note, good night. <laughs> Social media, Facebook group, Facebook page you yeah. can like. And on the Facebook group, really, we like really need you to answer the questions. Yes, we also have Twitter. We have Instagram, yeah. which hopefully we'll be posting Jess's photo. But don't worry, because we'll do the disclaimer. Um, it's definitely worth seeing in daylight absolutely not before you go to bed and then why don't you before you go to bed instead of looking at this photo rate and review us on itunes it means a lot to us as an independent podcast and maybe one day we'll like do a free sticker giveaway or raffle based on itunes reviews so you don't want to miss out on that in the sometime future yeah Maybe. We're hoping. I don't know. Podcast gods who don't pay us, please. <laughs> help help us, us help you. Help us help you help us. Thank you. <laughs> and email us your ghost stories, whether they're scary or happy or sad, or if you just want to say hello or send us a scary caught on camera photograph, send it to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail dot forward slash T G O G. And that's Z O L A dot com forward slash T G O G. All right, phantoms, we will see you on the other side.